I'm excited. The next three weeks, we're going to weave three stories together that I don't think previously have been woven, uh, intertwined together. Um, It's going to be an interesting, uh, an, an interesting feat, I would say. But if you'll hang in there with me, if you'll stay with me, I think it'll make sense. We're going from the prodigal son, uh, you know, which I'm, I'm calling a tale of father and sons. Um, but we're going to go from that story to the next. We, we just preached through the Bible here uh, at Bethlehem. We're going into the next story, which is about an unfit manager. And then the last one, uh, finishing up chapter 16, is the rich man and Lazarus, which is you know, typically a, a story about hell. Um, but I want to weave those together. And I found a common thread that I think is, um, I think is there. I think the author implies it. And I think that if we'll see these truths for what they are, you'll be helped. You'll, you'll be changed. You'll be challenged. Um, but if you're not here and if you're not listening in the podcast, uh, then you won't be helped and you won't be challenged. So stay up with it. Uh, we got this week, today's lesson, next week, and the week after. Three weeks that we're going to tie together in a unique way. Um, and you, you won't know. Each week it'll kind of build. Uh, I won't, you know, give the farm away this morning and show you exactly how it's all going to work. But you'll have to listen in and tune in uh, each, each week, so to speak. Um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm actually a little too excited to begin. You know what I mean? I don't want to scare you. Um, But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would meet with us today. We pray that it would illuminate this text, and that, Father, together as a church, we will be challenged We will be motivated by you and by your spirit alone. In Jesus' name, amen. This is, uh, it's not quite loaded on here, so I'm kind of in the blind, so just kind of sit by it just in case I'm not able to do it. We're trying some new things here um, with with our technology here. Um, But we're going to read this text together, and we're going to go through the whole thing, and then I'm going to point out, uh, kind of the direction that I think the story is going in two parts, and then we'll sum it all together. Uh, but I want to read this scripture together. We're going to go Luke uh, 15, 11 through 32. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his what? Living. Look at that word, living. Um, Let's see here. Try that. I think it's, there we go. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country and wasted his, what's the next word? Substance. With riotous what? Living. Okay. And when he had spent what? All. There arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, man, I I just, 
When he came to himself, if you've ever found yourself in the position of the prodigal, you know that moment when you come to yourself. And he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. So what he had kind of rehearsed, he goes into here. And in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And remember, this is coming at the tail. It's been a few weeks since I've stepped up here. But this is coming after three parables of something being what? Lost and then what? Found. I think one of them was a sheep, one of them was a coin, right? Um, so now we have this story, the, the, the final story of something being lost and found. But it doesn't end here. Now his elder son, this is where I really want you to tune in. Now his elder son was in, a, in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was what? Angry. And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I, what's the next word? Serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never, what's next word? Gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And what's the next word? All. All. It is and, you're right. (laughs) And all that I have is thine. It was meet, it was acceptable that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is what? Found. That's it. The story drops off right there. I want to point some things out this morning just by way of looking at this passage here. The dialogue, the elements of conversation, the who, the what, and the how here. So we have the father and what? How many sons? All right, y'all got to wake up. We read a little scripture and y'all like, <laughs> We have the father and how many sons? Two. Two, there we go. One was what? I'm just saying things that could have multiple answers. <laughs> One was younger, and one was what? Older. Father and two sons. One younger son, one older son. Uh, And then the what? We have like 
this interesting story of what the younger son did and then what the who, what, older son, and then how that played out, which I think is, is super vital. So here's some, some things that I want to kind of draw out. In verse 12, it says, the portion of thy goods, if you have your Bibles, uh, there's some in the pews if you don't have one, but verse 12, it, it talks about, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion. I'm out of coffee. The portion of thy goods that falleth me. So there the Greek word goods it translates to property or possessions. Okay, So in verse 12, the younger son says, give me the property. Give me the possessions. But then it says in verse 12, and he divided unto them his what? Living. So that Greek word living comes from the word bios, that we get the same word biology or life. His living. What was passed down. What the younger son was looking at is something that he could exchange for something else. The father was taking inventory of what his dad had done and what his dad had done for his dad and This is literally our life. I just want possessions, and Dad said, you don't understand. This is my life. Do you see the difference? Verse 14, the Bible says that the younger spent all. He began to be in want. His possessions were exchanged for something that did not last. So you have to, y'all got your thinking caps on a little bit? You're, you're, You're digging in with me? So understanding that he spent all, he began to be in want, what he had desired as a possession was exchanged for something that did not last. All this is going to make sense soon, I promise, but you got you to stay with me. Younger son says, give me all of these things, and I'm going to go exchange them for what I want. Did what he want last? Yes or no? Okay, good. All right. Um... He joined himself, verse 15, as a citizen of that country. So he was looking for a place to give him life, food, etc. He left home, and then once he had exchanged what was life to his father, which was just a possession, he went somewhere else and then desired to have what? Life back. I want bios back. I want dad's life back. I want that reality back. But he was trying to achieve that reality by joining himself as a citizen of the country that he ran to. (laughs) Sound familiar? He joined himself to that. He was looking for a place to give him life. You ever met people like that? They leave where they should have been the whole time. And then once they come to themselves, they find themselves trying to replace what they once had with something else that's far beneath what they had. Mm -hmm. Verse 16, he would have feigned to have fed his belly, filled his belly. He wanted the pig slop. In other words, my new life, what I wanted at that moment, because what I had, I lost everything. I was okay with eating what a pig was eating which wasn't that tasty, just, you know what I'm saying. He desired that. That's how low he got. Verse 17, and then he came to himself. He saw his position. Now go to verse 25. 
Now his elder son was in the field. So we, we talked about the younger son, right? And we're going to come back to this. But the younger son exchanged the father's life for possessions. All of that left. He came to himself. We understand. What about the older son? Because this isn't just the prodigal son. This story is more than that. And when I saw that, I'm like, goodness gracious. It hit me like a ton of bricks. So there's the elder son, verse 25. He was what? Working. Verse 25 says, now the elder son was in the field. Verse 26 and 27 is an explanation of the loud music and partying. One of the servants says to your brother, uh, one of the servants says to the brother, hey, your brother is home and safe. And, and we're having a huge celebration, right? Older brother's in the field working. He hears the partying, and he comes up, and he, he says, hey, what's going on inside there? Well, your younger brother's here. Verse 29, and yet thou gavest me a kid, he says, that I might make merry with my friends. Thou never gavest me. He reveals that he wanted more than what he had been given. Look, stay with me, okay? The older brother reveals In verse 29, that he wanted more than what he had. Verse 31, the father reveals that that he has been with the older brother or with the older son all along. And that it implies that he, the older son, has everything. Verse 32, the father reveals that it is reasonable to celebrate. And we never hear a response in regards to the older son again. So the older son's out working. He hears a celebration. Why is someone celebrating? Well, your younger son's come home. I'm sorry, your younger brother has come home. And we're, we're all excited about it. The dad comes out. And he says to his dad, you've never done this for me. At that moment, he reveals his heart. He reveals his character. And the end of the matter is that he essentially doesn't want to celebrate his younger brother coming home. And the father says again, son, everything that I have is yours. Let's dig in a little deeper. How many of you are lost right now? A little bit? How many of you know what's going on? Okay, good, all right. Here's what I'm going to propose to you this morning, and maybe a, maybe a truth from a perspective that you've never heard. I think that the older son and the younger son had the same problem. I think the older son and the younger son had the same issue. I think they were both prodigals, both of them. And if I had a dollar for every sermon that I've heard being preached about, sorry, i got to stay in my, my wheelhouse here. If I had a dollar, the camera's like right here. We need like cages on the outside so it just keeps. But if I did, if I had a dollar, I'd be a rich man for everybody who's preached this passage that the prodigal comes home and then there's like this random older brother in the story. Well, what about that guy? And what was Jesus trying to teach? What was, what was the point he was trying to get across with this tension at the end of the story that is unresolved? Like a band that, you know, like me this morning, how I'm on the complete wrong chord and just in worship and the keyboard's like, wrong chord, resolve it. Come to the right chord so that this thing ends, you know? Similar to that tension of 
someone singing on this like off crazy note. How many of you are just gifted singers? You, you just know it. Only in the shower, right? You may think you're gifted, but other people tell you otherwise, right? The reality is, is just different. And that's this story. It's this tension at the end of chapter 15 that just drops off. I want to hear. Did the older brother get over himself? Did he go in? Did he party? Like, what happened? He didn't. And so I'm proposing to you that the older brother and the younger brother had the same problem. How can we apply this? Well, possessions over promise. Possessions over promise. These icons here, I think, are helpful. See the house up there? I take you back to the beginning of the story. When the father says, I give you my bios, I give you my life. At some point we have to understand, and there's a lot happening in this passage, but there's a choice that we make. There's a choice that we make in life where we either choose possessions or we choose promise. And I think that for relatability's sake, we all understand that we are all the prodigal, yes? We all have found ourselves in a place where we are lost, where we left, where we are sinners, where we are challenged with the fact that we're not perfect, we're challenged with the fact that we have gone astray and then we come to ourselves. In other words, the gospel finds us. In other words, we are confronted with our sin and then we in that moment decide that we have screwed up, we made a mistake and that we want to put our faith and trust in the Father for, for this life of promise over possessions. But I'm telling you that both made the issue, both, both made the problem, both had the same problem. Couldn't get it out. Verse 12 And the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. You have to understand the perspective of the father. How the father was like, look, I've put everything into this. And many, many, you don't even, the culture, right? We try to take this story and transport it to 2019. And we're like, yeah, man, what a jerk, bro. Just leave your 401k alone. You know what I mean? That's not how it was. He didn't get his portion. He didn't get his piece of it until the father was dead. When daddy died, then the inheritance was given in that culture. So the younger son was literally looking at his father saying, I wish you were what? Dead. I care about what I can take, what you have, and turn it into something else. Something that's going to make me happy. Some possession. I don't care what you promised me. I don't care what you've worked for. I don't know. I don't even know how we got all this. And the older brother's over there going, you're right, you don't know. You ain't worked a day in your life. We're coming back to the older brother. Stay tuned. But the point is, is we've all found ourselves in that position of the prodigal. And, and, Many of you, you might be in in a position where you've been saved a long time, you've come back, and you've forgotten about the promise. You've gone back and you've reverted to the possession over the promise. The benefits of being a Christian, the benefits of sowing and reaping, the benefits of giving faithfully maybe have changed your life in such a way that now you're living in the possessions again. So wherever you are this morning, whatever place you have found yourself, if you're a prodigal in your spirit, come home. 
see the promise, don't see the possession. Because daddy is always in a place that says, I gave you my life. I gave you my life. Why do we read our Bible and pray? Why do we center ourselves so that we can hear the Father say, John 3, 16. I'm getting way ahead of myself. We exchanged for a counterfeit. The younger son said, give me your life. I wish you were dead because I'm looking for something else. It's funny the way that this economy works of being given something, a promise, and how it's so close to being circuited through our heart and funneling back through to make the gospel work. But if we choose to circumvent and choose a counterfeit over the heart of God, we make a mistake. Possessions over promise is when we exchange for a counterfeit. Verse 28, here's where we find the older brother. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. We internalize and we criticize. If both committed the same sin, if both have the same problem, you have to understand that there are some of you that are younger brothers, younger sisters, that are saying, here's the truth of God for my life and I don't want it. I'm running from it. The Holy Spirit is telling you what to do and you're denying it. But then there's others that you deal with it in a different way. You internalize and you criticize. You see, the older brother, he always kept working. He always kept doing. But you know what? It was a counterfeit. Think about the context. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. This story really hits home when the Pharisees realize that they're the ones staying home. They're the ones living the law. They're the ones over and over waking up, going to synagogue, tithing off every little thing they have. The Pharisees are doing their job. But they're also internalizing this in their own merit, in their own good works. And then they criticize Jesus. And they say to him, why are you dining with publicans and sinners? Why are you going about calling lost people in and allowing them to come sit at the table? We've been here at this table working and toiling and and for years and for, for centuries, if you will. We're a people group that deserves this. Why don't you bring about your kingdom now? Why don't you kill them all now? Sound familiar? Older brother. The Pharisees were lost. Why? Because they internalized and criticized. You know, it's time preaching calls out the people that aren't here and the people that are here. That's what the story does. The story's not only, you know, let's just weep and pray about all of the people that are lost who need to come to Jesus, and we should. But how many of you have been serving in your area of ministry Faithfully since Bethlehem started, but inside, all you can do is criticize. All you can do is take credit for it yourself. Or all you can do is beat yourself up for something that it should be a work of God. Listen, there's two parts to this story. Possession over promise is both the person who exchanged it and both the person who's working with it for the wrong reason. 
Does that make sense? I got to find myself here. Oh, man, you missed that one. This is the first time I've run my own slides. You see the bird? See how he's looking out of the corner of his eye? That's a picture of the older brother, okay? Doggone it, I missed it. (laughs) The bird's internalizing and criticizing. He was angry, would not go in. Therefore, he came out and made the father come. Here's another one. Number two, pragmatism over perseverance. Pragmatism over perseverance. How many understand what I, when I say pragmatism, does that make sense to any of you? Pragmatic or perseverance. Is it about it working? Is it about a game plan that becomes successful? Or is it about going through it no matter what? What about when the plan of God doesn't look like what we planned? What about when the things of God become difficult, become hard? I I mean, this isn't, you know, I understand this isn't popular preaching. This is difficult, weighty stuff that we're wading through. Man, Pastor Matt, your first week back, why don't you just like do some kind of topical thing and run around? Sorry, this is where we are in the text. Pragmatism over perseverance. Look at this verse. And he went and joined himself, this is the younger son, to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. We join anything that has an illusion of what we think is important. We worship success and we reject obedience. When the younger son came to himself, he thought, I'm going to just join this country as a citizen. They'll, they'll take care of their own, won't they? How did that play out for him? Not well. The older brother staying in his area of service, we worship success and we reject obedience. Stay with me. The older brother finds himself in a field, but when push came to shove, when they got down to the nitty-gritty, he wanted a fatted calf like the younger brother. He really wanted the possession over the promise anyway. Yes or no? Church, we cannot worship success. We cannot be tied up to the point that we have a plan that works. This isn't a plan. This is the gospel. Listen up. This isn't something that we're doing. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. No, it's, they're not going to prevail against the church, against God's plan. You know, it seems to me that many, many have died for this. There are people in our world that are professing Christians that their faith is called into question, and if they don't renounce it, they what? They die. It's really easy to put the blinders up in America, isn't it? It's really easy for us. Verse verse 32. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for thy brother was dead and, and is alive again and was lost and is found. The father told the older son, look, it's acceptable for us to be happy. It's acceptable for us to celebrate. But what the older son was celebrating was his system. What he had done. 
what he had built, what he was in charge of. What happened to people that are satisfied with leading a Bible study of 10 people for your whole entire adult life? And you invest in those 10 people if that's what God wants you to do. We all struggle with this. We all fight with it. It's an internal, right? We internalize and we criticize as the older brother. The point is, is we have worshipped success. We have worshipped ourselves. We have worshipped humanism to, to a degree that we have elevated it. And no matter what, we think as long as it produces, it's right. It doesn't work that way. That's not how the gospel works. I feel like we should just kind of set in that a little bit. Time of ministry spent wondering how many people are going to show up. What is... What does the next five years look like? Like, are we going to have to expand, build, and grow? What if we don't grow? What, you know, is God done with us? What does it look like? Pragmatism. Pragmatic, as long as it works. You know, and then you have one whole crowd that talks about, well, that's why you changed your music, or that's why you dress that way, or that's why you, but the reverse is true for them. That's why they keep it the same way. That's why they look the same way. Because if they changed it, it would cease to be what they thought is right. My, my point is not to completely shake your faith this morning, but it's to understand that the older brother was wrong. The older brother did what he was supposed to do day in and day out, and he was wrong. It's time we question those motives. Are we doing it just because we want it to work, or are we truly ready to persevere and go through what God has for us for the sake of his glory? Does that make sense? We have an example of why. Why the heart? Why the heart? Why not exchange it? Why not just scrap the whole thing? How about this verse? I alluded to it earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not what? But have everlasting life. Bios. We have an example of why to live the gospel in the Father. He gave his bios. He gave his life. We have an example of how to live out the gospel in the younger son. Verse 18. Look at verse 18 if you have your Bibles. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. Verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in, and therefore his father came out and entreated him. The older son was angry. Let me ask you this question. 
Are you unable to celebrate someone else's win? Are you still working on trying to hit the mark that you will never achieve? Religion says do. But in this story, the father says, I have done it all. I feel like this is like the most weighty thing that the church needs to understand and grasp grasp today. The church as a whole. Why are we trying to earn? The father says, I gave you my life. The only way you live as a Christian is if you come to yourself and accept what the Father has done for you. Heart to heart today. Sorry about the camera. Who are you going to be today? Are you going to be the younger son or the older son? Well, Pastor Matt, I'm here. I'm doing my ministry. I've showed up. But where are you at on the inside? Are you internalizing? Are you criticizing? Are you unable to celebrate the wins of other people? Those are signs. Those are signals. I mean, we got the blankets out and it's over the fire, okay? And things are forming in the clouds. Man, why can't I have, why can't that be me? If I just had We worship success. We worship it. One son came to himself, and at the end of the message, one had sandals on his feet, had robe on his back, and had the insignia family ring on his finger. Only one son. I know what you're thinking. He didn't do anything to earn that. In fact... Not only did he not do anything to earn it, he gave everything that the father had done. The father worked his entire life. The father said, this is my bios, this is my life. In that culture, you have to understand that most would say the only reasonable thing for the father to do is to backhand the younger son and say, take your place at the table, son. I don't owe you anything. This is my life, but that is exactly true. He didn't owe him anything. It was the father's life. Therefore, the father could give it therefore the father could exchange therefore the father says to the older son imagine this imagine wealth for a family the older son knowing strategy the older son worshiping success understands that if we take one third of our farms one third of our lands do you understand that's going to hurt my bottom line that's going to hurt my profits You see, if we left the one-third as a part of the work, as a part of what we own, our substance will go greater, our farms will be bigger, and by the time Dad checks out, you you will not even be able to fathom the amount of riches I will have. Older brother was still carrying resentment from that. He goes, not only... Not only have I not stopped, not only did you take a part from my part and gave it to that knucklehead who spent it on harlots, but you kill the fatted calf, but you have to understand 
This fatted calf was grain-fed. This fatted calf was a special thing that the families in these cultures kept when they are a family of wealth. And literally, they fed the village. Literally, there would be 200 people that would come and eat off that fatted calf because it was an unbelievable occasion. It was an occasion for the books. It was really a once-in-a-lifetime ordeal. We graduated college. We got married. Do you understand what I'm saying? This was a big time deal, the fatted calf. And the older son says, you never did it for me. And the father looks at him and says, you own the fatted calf, knucklehead. Everything I have is yours. And that's the problem with the Pharisee. The Pharisee doesn't realize that everything he's doing is something that God already did for him. Every person in here that doesn't accept Jesus Christ as the gospel, as the end all, and is trying to earn their way and do it themselves, you're internalizing and you're criticizing what the Father has already done for you by not accepting it. One person wins in this story. The sandals in the picture that, that are put immediately on the younger son were not commonly worn by servants. Immediately, the sandals shows that the Father was reinstituting him to his place. The robe and the ring cement that fact. Church, do you want to be saved? Do you want to be a part of what God is doing? Or are you just running your own field, doing your own life? There's some really good There's some really good points in this passage that will help us get there as younger brothers. I think, honestly, the one that resonates with me the most is the fact that you can't celebrate a win with somebody else. You ever been in a crowd with those people who, every time someone has something good that happens, they're like, oh, yeah, I did the same thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, I was in the seventh grade when that happened for me. Glad you could join us in the twelfth grade. There's always older brothers. We should pray for those older brothers. (laughs) But unfortunately, the church is filled with them. Some of you are scared to, like, get involved in the church because you're so worried about results. Some of you are scared that you're going to fail. Wait, I think I got one for that. It's okay. Persevere through those things Don't worry about the plan. Why is that? Pastor Matt, this is so counterintuitive. I'm like an eight and a one on the Enneagram. I don't get it. We have to have a plan. No, you don't. Why? Because God already did it. Sorry. (laughs) This is a different message. I get it. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back, (laughs) y'all. Just saying. I want a church full of prodigals. Full of them. I want a church full of people who, like, come to themselves. And then you're like, looking around. What happened? I don't know. (laughs) We've all had those moments. It's okay. 
Daddy's waiting. As soon as he saw it, go get his robe, go get his sandals, go get that ring. Wait a minute, just use my ring. He's coming home. He didn't have to do anything. He came to himself. The prodigal was literally like, oh, eat pig food. And daddy's like, I got a fatted calf for you. Like, I want to I see the B-roll of that footage when I get up in heaven. I want to see the prodigal who was malnourished, who hadn't had a good meal in months, sit down at that table. I mean, the boy probably couldn't even contain himself. He's like, look at that thing. <laughs> Woo! We going good tonight, boys and girls. Son. Which one? Which one do you think the younger son was all about? This one or that one? Yeah. I bet he was super grateful. I bet he was like, hey, Dad, what do you want me to do tomorrow? I don't know. Ask your older brother. <laughs> I, just I couldn't help myself. <laughs> He'll have a plan. It's going to take him right to hell. <laughs> He'll know exactly what to do. <laughs> Sorry, it was a little rough. Your choice, your decision. I'd rather be met with a big old hug. Jim, can we try this? Can you go in the back real quick? Can you go stand by Amy? Amy. <laughs> can you go stand by Andy? Sorry. Are you ready? It's this simple. Ready? I take the first step, then you take the rest. You ready? <laughs> that was gay. Sorry. <laughs> it's that simple. That simple. Did that do it for you? <laughs> it did it for me. That was good. I mean, we should have added a little. But you see, when we're diving into the text and we're like breaking it down, everybody's like, Okay. Oh, yeah, I'll be the younger one. I'll take that one. But here's where the rubber meets the road. What are you going to do tomorrow? Like, are you going to come to Connect Group Wednesday night? Are you going to be here next Sunday? Watch this. Pastor Matt, that's pragmatism. That's a plan. You're trying to force legalism on me. You're right. No, I'm kidding. No. I guarantee you that the younger brother worked like he never worked before. I guarantee you he worked circles around the older brother from that point on. I guarantee you that he accomplished incredible, great things for his daddy. Why? Because he did it out of love and not out of obligation. We got some older brothers up in here. I think we've all been in that season of our lives where we're like, okay, this is what you do. This is how you do it. We have to remember verse 18. He said, when, when I see my dad, I'm going to say what? I have sinned. I have sinning just means missed the mark. 
How many have ever told God that? Oh my goodness, thank you, Jose. I've sinned. I've missed the mark. That's a salvation experience. And if you've had that experience with God and you have said that to him, you're ready for success. Because everything from that point, you go back to the beginning of the story and the boy now realizes, what's it say, father? Go there, Jose. I think it's the third one in. The only way you live as a Christian is if you come to yourself and accept what the Father has for you. At that moment in life, the younger boy goes, he gave me his life. Oh my goodness. I get it. For the first time in my life, I exchanged what daddy did for a bunch of garbage. I'm worthless. Dad gave me everything. John 3.16. For God so loved the that he it's that simple. I'm on that. I'm on team younger brother. I've sinned. I've missed the mark. And thank God for second chances. Thank God for being reinstated. But don't ever forget who reinstated you. Don't ever forget whose life it was that paid for that. And that just produces all kinds of gratitude, doesn't it? I hope that nobody in here is trying to earn their way. Because it won't work. Both were right, but only one was rescued. 